The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sunny and Phoenix podcast. This is Mitch Krumpetich. I'm quickly reporting on the newest Suns news that just broke about Igor Kakashkov being fired. We finished our recording on Monday right before the news broke, so I'm just going to go over this quickly because it's really important. Woj reported, Phoenix has fired coach Igor Kakashkov, league sources tell ESPN. Suns had planned to bring Kakashkov back for a second season, especially after the team's stronger play in late stages of the season. Kakashkov has been a well-respected tactician who becomes another victim of the constant turnover in Phoenix. Here's a factor in the timing of Kakashkov's dismissal. The Suns are planning to target Philadelphia 76ers assistant Monty Williams, league sources tell ESPN. Lakers are planning a second interview with Williams soon, sources said. This is the Suns' most recent coaching change. Kakashkov was in Phoenix for one year. Previously, we had Jay Triano for one year, Earl Watson before him, and then Jeff Hornacek, who was with the team from 2013 through 2016. But we have had a very high rate of coaching turnover. This is especially difficult on Devin Booker, as he has never had the same head coach for two seasons in a row. There is very little consistency from that position, and it will be interesting to see who the new coach, whether it be Monty Williams or not, retains from the assistant coaching staff with people like Joe Prunty, who are respected assistants. That will be interesting to see. David and Charlie were not able to make it to this last-minute recording, but... I can assure you that neither of them are fans of this move. David especially said he didn't like this move and that it's a huge mistake and no one in their right mind would want to coach the Suns at this point. I know we've talked on the show multiple times about how we need consistency and how it's difficult because it seems like Robert Sarver is making more moves than you would expect from the basketball operations and on-court perspective people in the past have complained that he tries to run things like rotations and number of minutes things like that which is odd for an owner in the modern NBA I personally have spoke highly of coach Kakashkov I thought that he needed one more season to truly implement his system and that consistency would be very helpful but we're not getting that so Monty Williams will be interviewed, apparently, and I know there are a few other coaches who are available, so we'll see what happens in the next couple weeks. Hopefully, we're able to move quickly and find someone who can try to form a bond with these players. Overall, this is a really difficult thing, and I I don't think it's the right move, so Follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod to chime in on what you think. Okay, just for the record, we got a Sunny and Phoenix too. Fifty. Oh yeah. Samezies. Three, two, one. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny and Phoenix Podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Davin Mitch Krumpetich. Hello! 
I wish you weren't so awkward, bud. <laughs> Come David on! McGraw. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I quote this show for four weeks in a row, and last week you were so upset, and now you quote it, and it's hilarious. <laughs> it felt right. <laughs> and David McGraw, how are you now? Uh, I'm breathing. There's uh, there's some days. It's almost the end of uh, April, and that means the beginning of May. Oh, not so bad. <laughs> <laughs> on this week's show, follow us on Twitter at Sunny and PHX Pod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five star review and a comment, and you will get a shout out on the show. Yeah. So this week. One topic, we're, we're just going to dive into it. We saw an article from The Athletic written by Sam Viceni, and it there were a lot of good talking points in it, Suns related, but the one we want to talk about the most is the Zion Williamson versus John Morant debate. Which one fits better on the Suns next season if we get the one pick? So... Before we go too far into it with all of the situations that could possibly happen, just as prospects, let's talk a little bit about each of these guys. And let's start with Zion. He's obviously an athletic freak of nature. Do you guys think he fits in with the Suns? And is his athleticism worth the number one pick right now? I mean... No, he doesn't fit in with the Suns because he's a really good player, and we don't tend to have those. Jokes aside, yes, he would fit in anywhere. Zion Williamson is like a generational talent, I think. I think he's going to be really, really good, and they would make him fit in anywhere. Yeah, if you have the opportunity, you take Zion and run, no matter... No matter what. I mean, it doesn't matter what team it is. You you go for him because the athleticism is insane. His body type is insane. His build is insane. His Everything about him is just freak of nature-esque. You just take him and you figure out the logistics later. Right. I'm excited to see this guy play in the pros. You know, I, I'm not even that excited about summer league i want to see him against the biggest the baddest dudes that the nba has to offer right now and i want to see how he stacks up because he's bigger than a lot of them uh not not tall but that bulk is insane he's been listed around 280 pounds i've seen 285 it's been i i don't know it'll be interesting to see at the combine when he finally gets to weigh in and we get to see exactly how tall he is and what he weighs and what his body fat percentage is i want to know all of that that's pretty intriguing but he might not be at the combine though the nba combine's a little weird yeah it's not always the top guys yeah it's not quite the nfl combine but i'd love to see those stats and the measurements and the 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 agility drills i want to see all of that with vertical him jump yeah, because that's what he's bringing to the table. 1A is the athleticism. And then, I don't know, what would you consider the next best thing about him? That's a good question. 
Everything minus his jump shot. <laughs> his jump shot isn't even that bad, really. I, I know, like, the jump shot isn't that bad, but and that's the thing. It's the one knock is that, you know, his jump shot isn't lights out, but it's it's not the worst. There have been guys drafted high that have way less of a jump shot than he does. The, his creating, maybe, the slashing, just his gravity. Yeah, I like that. Just the gravity that he has on the game. Yeah, I think it's kind of tough to say, but I expect him to be a, at a minimum, a very good rebounder as a power forward, especially for a guy his size. I think you plug him in, and that's one thing. Like you, Zion, you hit the boards, you hit him hard. This guy could grab ten boards a game next year. I wouldn't be too surprised if I saw that. Right. That might be pushing it, but, huh? I mean, he's definitely got the body to get good position. And, I mean, this goes back to the athleticism, but he's just like a freak of nature athlete. So that's going to aid him in rebounding and on the offensive end. On the offensive end and just in the whole game. I mean, he's he's just like LeBron, but 19, basically. Maybe not quite as good of a passer, and maybe not quite as like high basketball IQ, but LeBron is like a pretty high benchmark. But the fact that like he's getting these LeBron comparisons at his age before he's even played an NBA game might be a bit unfair, but that's like the only guy you can really compare him to at this point. I see LeBron People... having more finesse and just being more of a natural, and that I think that takes him beyond what yeah. I see Zion is right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's there's a lot of question marks about him, though, to be honest. As a number one pick who's a surefire thing, I'd say there's, there's concerns there. Yeah, I actually was thinking about that recently. I was trying to, like, play devil's advocate with myself. I was just like, All right, I saw something about, like, the trends of number one draft picks being busts and it's like every so often there was like some pattern that I saw I forget how often it was like every three years or something the number one pick was like terrible and this is the year for it to happen again and so I was thinking like well what what would it take like what would happen for Zion to be a bust and I'm like well maybe his shot is really awful and maybe just like playing bully ball and just doing everything you can to get to the rim maybe that's going to get stopped and he didn't shoot a ton of threes and I don't know what his ball handling is like so I don't know those are the things so, that I've been thinking about The LeBron gets thrown around for guys way too often I mean we just had Ben Simmons that was supposedly the next LeBron and we were writing at the time and I did that breakdown and I felt like you know, he was more of a Blake Griffin and all that kind of stuff, but it's it seems like very similar, just surefire things from the get-go of, like, a number one pick is what the, this reminds me of. But Zion's just different. You're looking at, you know, a guy like a Barkley or, you know, like a way more athletic Draymond Green or, you know, so, someone like that is what you're looking at. And honestly, the only thing that's holding him... The only thing I feel like that would hold him back 
from being a great player is injuries. But it's kind of interesting because uh, obviously injuries are a big deal. And the real only injury scare was when his shoe fell apart and just, like, just completely fell apart during a game. And he was fine and he came back and he had a, like a sprained MCL, but that was it. So yeah, that's really like the only injury scare that there's been. And it was it was not because like of him landing awkwardly, his shoe fell apart, and then it came out that supposedly that was like the only pair of shoes he had been wearing that year. So it was like, well, that's dumb. Why did he do that? But just like that kind of stuff. But I I listened to a uh, uh, Ben or not Ben Simmons, a Bill Simmons podcast with uh, Ryan Rosillo, and they talked about how. The hype for Zion is so huge that even if he just, even if he was a Blake Griffin level player, you know, which Blake Griffin at one point finished third in MVP voting, he was or he was great, and he's still he's been great this year too. But even if like Zion was just like Blake Griffin level, people would be disappointed just because there's so much hype and so much expected of Zion. That sounds like someone we know. Hmm. Doesn't that sound a little bit like DeAndre Ayton? I'd say a little bit, but then it was so weird because all of that went away once we got into the season because it was all about other people, and people right. kind of dropped off that. But right, during but- the draft and up coming up to it and Aiton's size and athleticism, yeah, kind of similar to that. Overall, right, but people, I, I mean, people thought he was going to be really good, and then he averaged 18 and 10, and he wasn't even in the rookie of the year conversation like one bit. And now I think Luca should win it. Like, I don't think there's any question about that. But, like, he wasn't even in the conversation. And he averaged 18 and 10. Those are great numbers. But that's my own soapbox that doesn't have to do with this. <laughs> I can see where you're coming from there with that, though. Um, one thing I kind of wanted to touch on, and I guess I'm a little worried about how he's going to transition into the pros except for his athleticism. I don't know if the NBA is a league where a guy who's 6'6", 280 pounds can really take over a game with his athleticism anymore. There's too many things to stop that nowadays. I mean, think think how many times that dude's going to get fouled on a fast break to prevent a dunk like stuff just little stuff like that even right i think that kind of takes away and here's the big thing what if all the other things of his game don't catch up to his athleticism before his athleticism starts to go especially if he's going to be playing at a heavy weight like this how many years can he possibly do that at being a freak athlete, what if everything doesn't catch up? That's my one big thing about him right now. That's a good point. And I was thinking about this. So let's say Zion is playing for us or the Bulls or the whoever else, Cavs, whatever, and that team plays the Rockets. How does Zion match up? Like, how is that going to work? They put P.J. Tucker on him. And, like, I, I bet he could probably take P.J. P.J. is getting up there in age. He's lost a bit of a step, but still a good defender. But P.J. matches up with him and takes Zion out of the game a bit. Like, 
I imagine if he's on our team, what are we going to do? Like, is that going to make that much of a difference when we play a team like the Rockets, who really spreads the ball out, you know? Does that make sense? I can see what you mean, and I guess if we're, he's going to get spread out around the court, that's just going to be where his athleticism is what stands out because he'll have to be making some pretty intense play. I don't know. But, I mean, that's the thing. Uh, he can cut. He can, you know, he he's not – even if P, someone like PJ is on him, which PJ has gotten bodied by Blake Griffin, and we've watched that go a lot, if, you know, in the past because we always matched up with PJ on, Ble- on Blake. But, well, Zion has the athleticism. He has the off-ball movement. He can cut. He can do all those things. I don't think – spreading it out or any of that is going to stop him. The question is just if people sag off of him or if you get a if you get a guy like Ben Simmons who guards him and backs off of him a bit and plays Ben Sim- the defense that people play on Ben Simmons against Zion, hmm. how does Zion react there if they try to, you know, block off his cut like his path for cuts or any of that kind of stuff. Is he going to be able to have any sort of jump shot to be able to cause people to pay? Ben Simmons just is not working on that jump shot seemingly at all. Uh, you would. It sounds like Zion has been a lot more of a worker than Ben Simmons, but you, you never know with that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's true. So what do we think about Zion potentially coming into Coach Igor's offense? I mean, I think it would be great. I would kind of like to see him play the three. I think it would be fun to see, like, point guard, Booker, Oubre, Zion, and Aiton. I think that would be an interesting lineup to run out. I mean, Ubre still the three in that scenario. Put him at like a small ball four, though. Stretch the floor with him. Well, Zion Zion's gonna be a four no matter where he goes, or a small ball five. You just think? because he's just because he's six seven or whatever, that doesn't mean that he's gonna play the three. He, he's he's not gonna play the three. Okay, at all. I guess at this point. I shouldn't even say like put him at the three. It's that would be more of like a, a bit of a less positioned lineup. What I just threw out there. So maybe if I don't like put it that way, but just like seeing a lineup like that with another like post player, not post, but like with two wings. So Booker Ubre being the two wings, Zion doing his thing with all the cutting, and then Aiton controlling the post and the paint and all of that. I don't know. That could be interesting. I don't know what it would be like to have Zion and Aiton out there together, though. That would be interesting. Zion, they would have to take turns in the post. Yeah. They would have to work. It'd be very similar to Marc Gasol and Zebo yeah. a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, if only Aiton would have worked Aiton. on his three-point shot. I'm still mad he didn't shoot any of the threes this year. Supposedly I, the he wasn't allowed to. I know. Yeah. I don't like that. I don't like that. He wasn't allowed to, and he said supposedly. I thought it was that once he was comfortable, and they felt like he was comfortable and consistent enough in practice, and it had been going on for long enough, then they were gonna let him. But 
it just never got to that point which is you know fine I, you don't like, want to you don't want to ruin his jump shot or ruin confidence by having him jack up threes i don't know i just think it's like a little bit ridiculous though like these guys practice a lot you know he shoots plenty of threes you see him make them in warm-ups i don't think it's gonna kill him to let him shoot one a game or whatever i don't know i was just a little bit frustrated well no, it, i, I think he's do. he he has the tools to be a good shooter it looks like he can shoot the three yes there were plenty of chances this season where it would have made sense for him to pull the three but yet he didn't i see where you're coming from but hopefully it's something that gets added next year and then moving on like keeping along with that actually in zion is that going to be good for booker yeah that's two a good guys question. that aren't really floor spacers that are just going to be clogging things up more or less is have that we, a good route have we seen the players that booker has played with as an entire in his entire stint with phoenix like he's been playing with non-shooters the whole time this was the year where he had the most shooters around him and it was two like I, yeah i think where this applies to is who do we have at point guard in this situation i think that would make a difference because if we have someone who can really see the floor and can find these guys in their spots and let Booker shoot more of those like corner threes. Booker, I feel like Booker barely shot any corner threes because he was doing so much like ball handling and playmaking and stuff. But giving him more of those spot up outside looks, you know. And if he was in the corner, he was probably getting trapped too. Exactly. Okay, but let's go with that. Free agents at the point guard position. I was kind of thinking this in a way of does drafting Zion potentially make anyone more interested in coming to Phoenix? And this list of guys, we have we have all-stars, we have mid-tier guys, not too many on the low end because you got to think if we're going to sign someone at point guard, he's got to be raising the bar more than Tyler Johnson or Elio Kobo or Melton. You know, it's got to be someone someone worth it. So... At the very top, I have D'Angelo Russell. He's a restricted free agent. I don't know if the Nets let him pass, but would you like him in Phoenix? Yes, very yes. You, th- you throw a max offer at him and hope they don't match. Yeah, I- I'd say that'd be worth it, but we'd have to do quite a bit of uh, salary shuffling to be able to clear up for a max that I think he deserves. But, yeah, this is all hypothetical, but some moves would have to be made. And probably with this guy, too, Malcolm Brogdon. Bledsoe over in Milwaukee now, he's kind of lost a bit of a role there. Do you think uh, Milwaukee matches what they're getting, or would you like to see him in a Suns uni? I'd be okay with Brogdon. I don't think he leaves Milwaukee. I don't think his price point is big enough for him to leave Milwaukee. So. I hear that. But do you think he's a good fit? Would you think uh, he'd be a nice point guard with these guys? Or do you just want to pass on him? I mean, I'm going to say yes to, like, all of these probably. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is a list of 20. I'd say yes to all of them over what we've been pushing out there, yeah. Malcolm is a guy, you play him at the one, he plays defense, but he's not necessarily your primary ball handler. 
So it ended up it ended up being Booker a lot more still. If you want Booker as your point as your main facilitator, as your James Harden or whatever, then Malcolm Brogdon is a good fit. Yep, I hear you there. Okay. Let's talk about let's maybe pick out our favorite out of these. We've got all of them as unrestricted free agents, uh, but one of them as a player option, and that's Goran Dragic, bringing Dragic back. And then we have Ricky Rubio and Patrick Beverly. And I think these three guys are my sweet spot. Actually, let's add in Jeremy Lin into this group too. These guys are the ones that I think if we move some cash around and we're able to maybe overpay them, I think one of these guys could be a son next year. So that's Rubio, Beverly, Dragic, Lin. Any of those guys really interest you, or do you think they'd like to come to Phoenix? Uh, this is tough. Yes. Yes, uh, that's a good sign. Specifically specifically for me, uh, Lynn or Rubio. Uh, Rubio, not most known for his jump shot, but I feel like out of a lot of these guys, he's the most likely to maybe play for the Suns because he already has a relationship with Igor. So that could be a thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeremy Lin, a uh, veteran guy, has signed with teams. Maybe he just tries to play for a bench role for a playoff team, but if he wants a bigger role or wants to you know, try and prove that he is who he is and he deserves to play on a good team, he could come in. And he's a smart player. He's really... He's, not as fast as he once was, but still pretty fast, and he's a good, hard-playing player. Yeah, I agree with that. I think I would be okay with Rubio. I mean, I would be okay with any of these guys, but the the question that is tough is, would they want to play here? Like David said, Rubio, like, yeah, Patrick Beverly. I don't know that I could see him wanting to play here. Uh, I don't even think Beverly leaves the Clippers. Um, Goron. That feels like too good of a fit. Yeah, Goron. I don't know. Goron's a tough one. um, Because more connections. I don't think he. Right. And more more connections to Coco, but I don't think he. There's no way he can decline that player option. He's been hurt so much. He's he's taking. I mean, still, it's still the Sarver thing too with Goron. I know, I know that was like McDonough that relationship, but like, I I don't think Goron and Sar- Sarver had the best relationship either. Well, most guys don't have a good relationship with him, so like Goron yeah. knows what our front office is like, and I I don't know if he would be willing to give it another chance. Jeremy Lin, I don't know, maybe. Do you think? to get one of those guys it'd be maybe I'm not talking about Beverly more like Rubio, Dragic, Lynn do you think that's like an Ariza type contract that we throw their way if we happen to shuffle things obviously that goes without saying from here on out if we shuffle things and we can throw them an Ariza like deal do you see anyone biting on that? yeah you're gonna have to overpay Whoever it is that, if anyone comes here, you're going to have to overpay them. You're going to have to give them a contract that they feel like they can't refuse. Yeah. It's true. 
I feel like giving Ricky Rubio a one-year, fifteen million dollar deal. I feel like we that pan out better than the whole Ariza situation. Even though bringing in Ubre was nice, you know, but I'm talking as a player for the Suns. I think I'd feel a little more confident with a guy like Rubio compared to how we felt about Ariza coming in. I agree. Yep. Yep. All right. So long list of uh, guys after this. If anyone sticks out, say something. But these guys are all potentially targets this offseason. Trey Burke, Darren Collison, Tyus Jones, Corey Joseph, TJ McConnell, Moutier, Alfred Payton, Mitch's spirit animal. Uh, (laughs) My boy. Rondo, Rose, and Rozier. And I don't even want to talk about Terry Rozier. I don't think he's worth any sort of contract that anyone's been dreaming up here lately. I don't know if he's uh, pushing the card for us as the Suns' point guard. I just don't see that. I think you take a swing at Tyus Jones and Emmanuel Moutier. Moutier's not that great of a player, but you have when you're in the position that the Suns are in, you have to just take a swing. You have to hope that guys that's maybe looked down upon or has had some spots or stops or any of that kind of stuff you have to hope that you know maybe they can turn it around maybe you can get them to turn it around so you have to go after guys like Tyus Jones who's kind of got buried in the depth chart because of Rose and Jeff Teague and maybe Minnesota just doesn't want to like keep around that and try and get someone else or Emmanuel Moutier, who now has had a couple stops and, you know, hope that you can, maybe you can put him in a position next to Booker and that kind of stuff to where he might be okay. I'm not saying that he will be, but if you're an organization like the Suns, that's the moves you have to make. You have to take a swing on a guy like that and hope that he pans out. Yeah, and you know, I look back at Tyus Jones, I remember if, this was a couple years ago. He was the summer league MVP, and I remember I think the Timberwolves beat us in the championship that year. I just remember watching him thinking, "Oh, this kid, this kid has it." He was a year or two in already. It wasn't his rookie uh, summer league, I don't think. I could be wrong, but I remember watching him thinking, "This guy has a chance. This, he might be pretty good." And then yeah, he gets buried with the Timberwolves, and maybe a guy like that, he just needs the. Needs someone to show some faith in him. Toss him a little dough and say, hey, you can come be our starting point guard. Let's make it happen. And same goes for you DeLon know, Wright, too, by the way. I missed him on the list. But. Yeah, I was I was going to say the same thing about TJ McConnell, actually. I don't think he's as good. I don't think he's quite on that level. I think Tyus is probably a little bit better. But I could see that, and, like, we have the Arizona connection, so maybe he would be willing to, like, come here just because of that. He He's a guy who always surprises me. I'm always like, oh, yeah, TJ McConnell's kind of good. And just the skill set that he brings is something that I'd be willing to throw out there mm-hmm. on the Suns alongside Booker and Aiton and potentially Williamson or, you know, whoever it is. I want to see a point guard who wants to move the ball, who wants to make the right pass, who's who's just there to do the right things and get scrappy, and that's that's TJ McConnell. Right. I also, I won't talk about this for too long, but I would be willing to bring Alfred, Alfred Payton back. 
just to get your money's worth out of that jersey? Or I like you him. Think he could really help. The I team? like him as a player. He's a good passer. It's the least shocking thing I've heard on this podcast so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. That is pretty unshocking, I suppose. That I like Alfred Payton and he's a good passer. No, you just would like to bring him back. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean he's not gonna come back. No, I I don't know. Well, that was such a weird situation. How he even got here? So. Yes, it was. He's gonna lead the tank hmm. over in New Orleans. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I'm hearing that. AD might not be a hundred percent gone now that things have changed. That's a leverage with play the, with the Lakers. Leverage play. Well, with with the Pelicans. Like their new ownership and everything. It's not new ownership. They just got David Griffin. Or not new ownership, but David Griffin. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I still think he's out. I think it's too well, late. But I'm seeing this stuff. Leverage play. I mean, you bring in David Griffin, you probably give him a as Anthony Davis. You probably like okay, make make your pitch to keep me here before I demand a trade again. But I don't know if that's going to do it. And I wonder if he's as attracted to going to L.A. anymore. I wouldn't be. After all of this thing. This is crazy. It is. But, uh, it's crazy that's, that's such, like, David Griffin is in such a cool position to, like, have this power to trade Anthony Davis. I mean, obviously he wants to try to bring him back, but, like, if, if he's like, no, no, I want to be traded. Like, isn't that kind of cool? Like, you get to be the guy to make, like, a potentially amazing deal for a guy who, like, did very little for your team last year basically or it's the perfect position to get screwed over i mean he he could totally mess the whole thing up but it could be really cool would you like that responsibility though no no probably not i've seen be fun to think about i've seen what it's like when we play gm and i don't think it's a good idea (laughs) (laughs) i hear that all right so that wraps up our talk on williamson and this ran a little longer than we expected and at the top of the episode we we said we were going to debate if it would be zion or john morant being the better candidate for the Suns, and we're going to hold this off we're going to split it into two episodes so next week we're going to dive in on morant and we'll talk about the potential power forward free agents that we can bring in and then after that we'll decide as a whole who the better fit would be for the phoenix suns heading into next year and now it's time for my favorite part of the show the non-sports section of the show so this week's question as we approach getting ready to go to vegas for for david's wedding and for summer league it's about what you wear to a casino so the question is as three very casual dressers, what is your favorite thing to wear to a casino, and why? All right, so one thing that's interesting, I normally like to dress as cool as possible. I don't go as far as wearing a tank top by any means. That's not me. But, I mean, T-shirt, shorts. I, I try not to wear sandals in the casino, though. I just try not to do that. 
But the one thing that I, I found most comfortable would be uh like the shorts that look like they're potentially nice shorts, but they actually have a drawstring and they're more like sweatpants than uh anything else. So sweat I like getting away with that. They're they're not sweat they, they look nothing like sweatpants. They they look they're, they're short like short material. material. Oh. They have the drawstring, oh, draw and they even have like a tiny bit of stretch to them. Cargo and pants. And if you're hitting the buffets, if you're hitting the buffets. That's nest. That's pretty they're, necessary. And, so. and with all the extra pockets, you can put like some I, bread in I, there. You can put some. Well, I don't have cargo <laughs> pockets. <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. They're called. They're called like dock shorts oh. or something. Yeah, I have a couple pairs. That's just. I'd say that's they're where really it's comfortable. at. I, that's my favorite thing to rock. I'd say. Okay. David? Uh, so, I'm not trying to ever impress anyone, especially at a you casino. You always impress me. So, well, <laughs> thank you, Mitch. I, I appreciate that. Uh, so, you know, maybe there's some bedhead going on. Maybe there's not. It doesn't matter. Maybe you can put on a hat and try and cover it up a little bit. But it's just... You know, a basketball shirt and shorts. They're just regular shorts. I, I, I don't I won't do the straight up basketball shorts. Sometimes. Sometimes you do just because. But uh you know, just whatever shorts are available at the time, whether they're uh, cargo shorts or not, I'm always down for those extra pockets. Hey, you know, to be fair uh, To uh, be fair Nice. <laughs> That first time in Vegas, all three of us, we did technically live in a casino and hotel for a week. So the standards started dropping more and more as we started treating the casino (laughs) floor as if it were our living room by the end of it, I'd say. So I'd say I I probably did wear a pair of b-ball shorts and play a little slot at some point. Definitely. Definitely in that time, it was sometimes the shirt from the day before, basketball shorts, and shoes with no socks. Oh it was absolutely gosh. something I wore at one point. Ugh. Okay, so we're, we're getting this into why my we territory. stay at Airbnbs now. Yes, okay, so I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if this is true as of right now. It probably is. I don't know. Is it fair to say I'm the most casual dresser of the three of us? Or is, has that changed? I might be in the middle now. Because I've stepped it up a little bit because of work. Who are you saying you dress more casually? Well, I definitely dress less casually than Chuck. Or more casually than Chuck. He's definitely the best dresser of the three of us. I don't think that's even a question. But between... (laughs) Between me and you, though, who dresses more casually? (laughs) I don't know. I dress the same Yeah, but I have to wear, like, nice clothes to work. Nice-ish. So, I wore a polo for... I wore a polo for the job right now, and I immediately had to switch over and wear some sort of button-up. So I'm the... Okay, I dress less casually than you. I think I'm in the middle now. But it was not always that way. The first year that all three of us were at Summer League, like, I don't think I packed anything other than basketball shorts... I might have brought one pair of jeans. It was bad, and I realized it quickly. So, I've worn basketball shorts on the casino floor, and I don't like it. 
So it's not it's not my favorite thing. I'm going to go in a different direction than you guys. I I had this um revelation fedora no no oh my gosh no (laughs) i'm gonna call it a revelation this was a this was a couple years ago chinos i like chinos i'm i'm into those pants and those are probably my favorite thing i like i just shorts to me i don't think i can make shorts look anything other than casual i don't know maybe it's just the ones i have i I have a hard time like seeing shorts being nice, and I'm willing to be like a little bit hot. I mean, this ca- these casinos are all air conditioned. You're not outside that much. I've got this pair of blue chinos pants. I actually wore them to work today, and I really like them. So, that's what I'm gonna go with. I like those pants. I think I wore them to summer league last year. Maybe, if not, I'm going to this year. That's nice. What, so look, look for Mitch in the navy blue chinos. <laughs> At a uh, summer league this year. Like, hey, <laughs> oh you God. and the chinos. <laughs> There's no way with how hot Vegas is going to be and like the temperature and stuff that I ever am not going to wear. I'm just, I'm always wearing shorts. Same. It's just way better. It's way more comfortable. I'm a sweaty boy. We've been over this on the pod before. I don't need any help. You know, night- if I were in great shape, I'd rarely wear clothes because I don't like being hot. <laughs> But I'm not in great That's shape, fair. so I have to wear clothes. It's it's sad, I know. But I think I'm gonna bust out some cut off, uh, some like made tank tops, some like old shirts oh, that are with, just gonna like, like cut, cut down off. the armpit, too, dude. On the side, I have I have yeah. like a collection of those from sport, like high school <laughs> sports, and these I oh my gosh, if you're looking for vintage mid two thousands. Uh, sports t-shirts from the South Dakota region. No one cut is. Cut into sleeveless shirts. No one is looking I for have that. you covered. <laughs> I have one that says bad to the bone. And it says, like, it looks like the a football player. Oh, my god! But, like, the and one guy that he's playing <laughs> football. And he has, like, this big pile of skulls behind oh, him. Oh, stop. And oh, it was for our bad. football camp. And we were the worst team in the state, like, <laughs> by far. So I just like looking back at that. Oh, that's, that's funny. Oh, that's great. All right. We done here? That's all I got. We're, We're done, done here. All right. Thank you guys for tuning in. Again, next week we'll be talking about John Morant and then the potential power forward free agents that we could target if we're bringing him in in the draft. So we appreciate you guys listening. Check us out, social media, at Sunny and PHX Pod. That's Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see you next week. Go Suns. <laughs>